Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you, when you saw that controlling your tongue, just wanted to get up and walk out? Those of you that are watching online, don't tune us out. We're going to have fun today. So get ready to buckle your spiritual seatbelts because it's going to be an ouchy Sunday. All right. And for me, too, uh, because I had to learn it the hard way yesterday. I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Can we just thank the Lord for his presence in this place today? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Feel the Lord's presence here today. And my prayer for you today is that God would do something individually in your heart, in your life. And I believe every time we come together in God's presence and we sit under his word and we're able to have the privilege of just worshiping God. And I just love the songs today, just singing about who God is, his beauty, how wonderful he is, how it is to dwell in his presence. How many of you know that just a moment in God's presence changes everything? It just changes your perspective. So I don't know what you're dealing with this week or what things might be on your heart. Maybe there's some heavy, heavy things that are going on in your heart today. I want you to know that God is here and we can cast all our cares, all our burdens at his feet because he cares for us. He walks with us. He talks with us. He never leaves us alone. He'll never forsake us. Nothing can separate us from his love, no matter what you're going through. You can have that security in Christ Jesus today, knowing that he is for you. And so we're continuing this series in the uh, book of Proverbs. And uh, we know that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, helping us to live in accordance to God's will and what he has for us uh, in our lives. And so we're going to have fun today, and I'm glad that you're here. And, and let's, just, let's just be honest right off the bat this morning. Can we all admit this morning, let's just get this right out of the way. How many of you have gotten in trouble because you didn't have a tight rein on your tongue? How many of you have ever just, can we all raise our hands today and just say, yeah, we've, we've uh, been there. Uh, I got to admit something to you today. I've, I, I, uh, I blew it yesterday a little bit. Um, so anyways, I uh, ordered something from Amazon and uh, the thing came defective. So I, wa- I had to order another one. And when I ordered another one, the price went up. Okay, the price went up. It wasn't a lot. It was like 50 cents. No, I'm just teasing. It was like $10, you know. So, but, but it's the principle. It's the principle. So, uh, of course, you can't call anybody. So I'm on this chat online, on this chat. And I said, listen, this, uh, this product that you sold me came defective. And when I went to reorder it, the price went up. And uh, I'm assuming that you're going to give me the original price that I paid for it. Guess what? Ain't happening. Ain't happening. So I'm on there and I'm talking. I'm trying to be very calm. It's very hard to talk when you're, you're typing. I go, should I go to all caps at this point? Okay, where am I going here? Now, I know in the back of my mind, right, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, this isn't my tongue. This is the type. This is, I'm typing this. So maybe I can get around my message and not worry about the tongue. And so, so I said, well, it's your fault, very nicely. I said, it's, it's your fault, very nicely, in caps. No, I'm just saying, I said, it's your fault. And then they came back and they said, they had said well, there's nothing we can do about it, blah, blah, because of the press. And Kathleen already warned me. She said, Bart, you're not going to get anywhere. I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this battle. I'm going to win the battle of mighty Amazon, right? And I'm going to get my 50 cents back. So, so we go back and forth. And then finally, I'm just like, well, this is ridiculous. You know, you, the, it's your fault. It's defective. I should get the original price that I paid for. Blah, blah. She goes, blah, blah. No, okay. And then basically it was just like, can I help you with anything else? That was it. That was the end of the conversation. I said, yeah, 
give me my money back. Give me the price. So anyways, I left it alone. I, I calmed down. I, I, I left it alone. And the police did come to the house. But it, it all worked out. I'm just teasing. So listen, we all, listen, we all struggle with our, with our tongue at times. And, and the thing that's interesting about this is, is, is Scripture speaks to our tongues and how we are to control it and, and how we can do a better job at that. Now, how many of us know that it all comes to relationships too? Because if we're not careful with our anger, with our frustration, how many of you know that that has affected so many of our relationships in, in many times bad ways and how we don't correctly deal with our anger or our frustration in the right way and how it can easily derail relationships. So what I want you to see today, if you, if you get one point today, I want you to get this. Get this. It's not necessarily about being right. It's about reconciliation. It, listen, I know every single one of us, we want to be right. I wanted to be right yesterday. And guess what? I was I, I mean, everything about this was just ridiculous. But it's, it's listen, you got to step back and say, wait a minute. Is it just about being right? Or is it about the relationship and reconciliation? This is where we miss it in our anger and with our language and in our tongues. And this is, if you, if you, if you boil down every relationship and you look at relationships that have been strained or have dissolved or have gone separate ways, if we look at so much of that, it's really about us wanting to be right and not necessarily about what is, what is the point to reconciling this relationship. Remember, Jesus came to do what? To reconcile our relationship that was broken with God. He came to reconcile that because of sin. If you think about your relationship with Christ and everything that Jesus has done for us, it's all about reconciliation covering our sins, forgiving us when we least deserved it. Jesus comes. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Why? He cared about the relationship. He knew that we would be destitute without reconciling us back to God because our sins separate us from a holy God. Jesus cares about your relationships because the gospel can be seen in how you treat one another. The gospel is going to be seen in how you forgive one another and how you reconcile. This is where the misconnect happens in many of our relationships. We can say, well, I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus and, and I get what he did for me and I know that he died on the cross. Yeah, I've been to Sunday school, blah, blah, blah. I get all that, Pastor. However, when someone hurts us or someone offends us, it's interesting how the gospel gets thrown out the window and we forget what Jesus did for us. And how he did everything to reach us and to reconcile us back to a right relationship with God. So if we're not intent on knowing Christ and really understanding the gospel, we're going to have a lot of difficulties in our relationships. So this is, this is the heart of, of, of the message today. But let's look at, I, I love James, the, the brother of Jesus. He explains it so well. Uh, about our, our tongues. He kind of describes it and what the problem is. Listen to what James says. It's so true. So he's just basically diagnosing the problem and just having us look in the mirror here. He says in James 3 in his letter here, he says all kind of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures uh, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But listen to how he describes it. It's so true. But no human being can tame what? Contain the tongue. 
it is it is restless evil full of deadly poison. Why aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I mean, it's just, he's calling it for what it is. Isn't it interesting? This is so true. With the tongue, we praise our, our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth can come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I want you to notice how James describes our tongues. He, he describes it as untamed animals. Now, if you're a dog owner and you, you got your dog when it was a, a puppy, remember, remember the hardest thing was, was, was training them to go to the bathroom outside, right? We got our puppy, uh, Tulip. She was a puppy when we got her. We got her in the worst time of the year. It was like in, I think, December, end of December, snowing. And we're like, this poor little, you know, six-pound dog's shivering outside. Go to the bathroom outside, right? It's just like, you know, you're just like trying to train. It's the hardest thing to train. And, and, our, and, and Tulip's gotten really good. However, once in a while she makes mistakes, right? We don't, we didn't let her out or whatever. And you can tell when she made that mistake because the tail's between the legs and she's hiding behind the toilet in the bathroom. You can't find her because she knows she did wrong, right? It's so, it's hard. But you, you train them. You work hard at training them. But what's so interesting about our tongues? Why is it so hard to train our tongues? Why is it so hard to get a rein on our tongues? Why is it so difficult? Why does it get us into so much trouble? Now add social media to the mix and everyone has a platform to speak whatever they want and boom, instant catastrophe, right? It's all around us. How do we do this? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we have learned over the last of years how much our words can hurt others and how much words can damage relationships. I hope we're learning. I hope we're learning how important our relationships in Christ are. And so we're studying the book of Proverbs and we're going to look at what it means to live in godly wisdom and how to how to apply godly wisdom uh, to our lives. It, it, and, and the book of Proverbs is not a book to point out how bad we are or how much we need help because we all need help. It's really a book that gives us instruction on how to live our lives with wisdom, with godly wisdom. So what does the book of Proverbs say about our tongues? And how to use wisdom with our speech. Listen to a couple of, of the Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 29, 30 says, Whoever and has great understanding, but the one, but the one who is quick tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a but harsh but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Listen to how much value is put on our speech and how we say, and what we say, and how we say that to one another. So let, let me just ask you a couple questions. Why do we have so much trouble with our tongues? Is it simply, is it simply not saying the wrong things? Is it, is it simply self-control? Is it simply saying, I will never do that again, only to do it again? See, here's the problem. Here's the root of the problem. It's more than just self-control and not saying the wrong things. It goes much deeper. It goes to our hearts 
And in our hearts, if we're not careful, careful, we can harbor anger. We can harbor anger. Now, we all listen. You may say, well, I'm not an angry person. Pastor, I don't, I don't you know, have fits of rage and, and anger. But l- l- let, me, let me say that we all, if we're not careful, can harbor anger in different ways. Let me explain it this way. It may not be burst of angers where you lose your temper and fly off the handle quickly. Maybe that is you. It's that you just get easily offended. Amen. Right? We're all there. So it may not be that you fly off the handle. It may be that you just get easily offended by, by people. It, it may be more subtle. It may be more passive aggressive. We may, we may ghost someone. If you don't know what ghosting is, it's when you cut off all communications with someone or just unfriending them. Right? On social media. I'm going to show them you're unfriended. They don't know. And then they look through. They unfriended me. Why did they unfriend me? Well, I'm showing you. Unfriended, right? So there's little ways that we can be, right? Passive aggressive. You're all laughing because you know it's so true. It's so true. So here, here's the thing. We think I'm going to show them by, by doing this. It may not be fits of rage, but we do it in different ways. Very passive aggressive. It, it, it might be deflecting blame and not taking responsibility for your actions. Maybe we can play the victim or the martyr. Everybody's against me. We can hold grudges against people. We can talk about the other person, but never address the person that we're upset with. I, I, heard, I heard someone say it this way, and, and, and most of us probably do it this way, but I loved what this one person said. It just convicted me to the core. And they said this, we don't have conversations with people, we have conversations about people see it's easy listen when we're offended we have anger for someone else it's so much easier to talk about that person with someone else and actually have a conversation with that person see the more challenging thing to do is to have a conversation with the person that has offended you so let's understand something here let's understand that that anger and controlling our tongue is not just about blowing up You see, we can falsely believe we don't have an anger issue because we don't blow up. But but let's understand, every single one of us can harbor anger in different ways in our hearts. Anger can be seen in many ways. It can be hidden and, and it can be apparent. It can be hidden and it can be obvious. Anger is the one emotion that we can easily deny and believe we don't struggle and we can use excuses for our anger. We say things like this. We can see if this, see if this sticks anywhere in your, in your life, right? We, we, can, we can make excuses for anger this way. We can say things like, well, I'm not angry. I'm just speaking up. I'm telling it the way it is. I just tell it the way I see it. I'm just speaking the truth. Well, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest here. How many times have I heard of that one, right? And, and, but really what it is, there's anger. It's not really, do we really care about sharing the truth and love and really reconciling that relationship? No, it's more that there's something inside of my heart that I'm angry. And so I use these ways to disguise my anger and not really dealing with the root issue. You see, the more we deny our anger, the more we justify our anger. And I think that so many of us struggle 
with this root of bitterness from something that has happened to your past, something that's happened, and you've buried it. And in little ways, you may be able to deal with it, and you push it, and you push it, but all of a sudden, maybe that person's name comes up. Or maybe there's a situation that triggers it, and all of a sudden, you're like, where did that come from? It's that buried anger within our hearts because we truly haven't dealt with it. See, anger can result in control issues also where it's not allowing, I'm not going to allow anyone to hurt me, so I will be in control to protect myself from being taken advantage of. And I'm not going to allow that to ever happen in my life, so I'm just going to control everything. Sometimes we can hide behind harsh words and use the excuse that I'm telling the truth and listen, if, if they don't like it, then it's just too bad. See, that's not working towards reconciliation. And that anger will never be dealt with. See, we do not want to help the other person. We just simply want to provoke them. We want to keep them in a prison. We want to, we want to keep them indebted to us because we're angry. See, we need wisdom in how we speak to one another. We need wisdom. You see, this is why so many times when we cool off, when we're upset about something and we cool off and we think about it for a while, we tend to feel like a jerk, like, yeah, I kind of overreacted there. Uh, I let my emotions get the best of me. And so when you cool off and you begin to think about it, you get a better perspective. And can we all admit that we do act like jerks at times, Right. We do. We all do. We, 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 we allow our emotions to get the best of us. And then when we cool off, we think, man, I could have thought, I could have reacted differently. I could have handled that, uh, you know, in a much better way. And, and, I, and I hope we, we realize that. And we try to, to, to look at ourselves in the mirror and understand where I went wrong, even though maybe there was something done wrong or it, 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 there was an offense towards you, but, but dealing with it in the right way so that I don't allow my anger to get to me or get the best of me where I, I lose my witness for Christ. So are, you know, are we never to get angry? Um, do we just stuff it in and never express anger? So what are we to do? So let's understand this. How do we deal when offenses, uh, an offense has happened to us or something we don't like? How do we deal? So the, the Word of God speaks directly to that. And, and let's look at what the Word of God says here. I love what Paul says to the church in Ephesians. And, and he's speaking to them about how they can have correct relationships with one another, especially when we're angry. In Ephesians 4.26, he says, Be angry, but don't do what? Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Why is Paul so adamant about dealing with those things? He's, saying, he's not saying that you never get angry. He's not saying that we'll Don't let it turn into sin. Don't let the sun go down. Why? Because once you do that, it turns into bitterness. It turns into resentment. And the longer it goes, the deeper it grows. The longer it goes, the deeper it grows. The longer it goes, the deeper it grows. That's going to be the best thing you heard all day today. So listen, if, if you're not, what Paul's saying, if you're not dealing with it and you're not nipping it, it's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's going to hurt us. 
and ultimately hurt our relationship with Christ. Let me be honest with you. There are some things that should bother us. There are some things that should bother us when we see others being taken advantage of, when we see evil in our world. Those things should bother us. But the Bible speaks specifically on how we are to deal with this because we need wisdom and how to deal with our anger in the right way, in a righteous way. Listen to the instruction we're given to handle our anger. Once again, James in chapter 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to get angry. Right? We say, quick to do what? Listen. Slow to speak and slow to what? Become angry. So what happens is when we fly off the handle right away, we let our emotions get the best of us. That's when we get in trouble. That's when we say things we don't mean. That's when we got to go back and apologize later. So what is James saying here? He's saying, be quick to listen. And what James is saying there, be quick to listen, to understand everything that's going on. How many of us, we just jump to conclusions right away. And then when we get the whole story, like, oh my goodness, I jumped to the wrong conclusion. Be quick to listen, to understand the other person's heart. Let, let, can I just, let me just give you a couple of little nuggets right here on, on, on relationships, on conflict management. Let me just give you a couple of things, because I had to learn it the hard way, right? We all learn it the hard way. Listen, when there's an issue between you and someone else, listen to the other person's heart. So we want to do, the hardest thing is to go to that person and listen to, why this is, listen to their heart, understand what's going on. You get a whole different perspective many times. You get a whole different perspective. You got to hear the heart. Be willing to own what you need to own, right? And have that hard conversation so you can hear their heart. Remember, it's not necessarily about being right, but it's about reconciliation. And so this is what James is saying. Be quick to listen. Listen to what's going on there. Slow to speak so you understand everything that's going on. And then slow to become angry. Proverbs says here in Proverbs 15, here's why it's so dangerous. A hot-tempered man stirs up what? Strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Pulls the air out of it slows it down, doesn't pour gasoline on it, but listens and is slow. So notice the common language here between the proverb writer and James. Slow, slow, slow. Be slow in all these things. So what can we do so that our anger doesn't lead us to sin? What we're hearing here is to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, when you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus at times was upset that Jesus got angry, that he flipped tables over. So let's understand here, even Jesus got angry at the way people were being taken advantage of in the temple. There was a lot of buying and selling that was going on in the court of the Gentiles where they couldn't even worship God. And Jesus was upset by this and wanted this place to be a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus was angry, yet he didn't sin. And and please, can I just say this? Don't do this. Don't do this. In your anger, and if you fly off the handle, don't say, well, Jesus got angry too, so I can get angry. 
He got angry. He said, you know what? You're justifying your anger, and it's completely wrong. Okay, so don't don't use that scripture to back up you doing something that's just wrong or, or, or to justify your anger in the wrong way. See, here's the thing. Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin. So what are we to do? What are we to do? We are to give careful, careful thought to our emotions. Think for a moment about what you are defending. Just think, what am I defending here? If you just spent a little more time thinking about what you are defending, it might be, I'm just saying, don't throw anything at me, okay? It just might be your ego. My ego. It just might be your ego. It just might be your pride. It just might be. It might be your pride. It might be that's the actual thing we are defending. Is it really about wanting to make this thing right? Or is it that my ego got in the way? See, we can tend to overreact without knowing the whole story, and then we assume, and boy, do we tend to assume a lot. We judge others' motives, what they're thinking, and why they're acting the way they do without really understanding the heart of the other person. Have you ever been angry with someone and you didn't know the whole story, and then you heard the whole story, and then you calm down, and then you feel stupid? See, talk to people, not about people. Don't stir up your anger talking about people. Talk with the person you have this misunderstanding with. I love what Jesus says about this in Matthew 18. He says, listen, if you have a brother that that has offended you, that has sinned against you, what does he say to do? He tells us to talk to as many other people as possible. And get them into your camp, right? What is here? What? Is, and that's what we all do, right? We do because we're mad and we want this. Well, listen to me, please. Listen to my heart. Right? And you want them to get? Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. Right? We want them all to sympathize with us. Meanwhile, we never even talk to the other person. What does Jesus say? If this person has offended you, has sinned against you, you go to that person. You go to that person, and you show them. And you try to reconcile. If that doesn't work, then you go to two other witnesses. And Jesus explains to us exactly what we're to do in Matthew 18. You see, we don't want to destroy relationships just out of the need to want to be right. And so many times, we might be waiting for the other person to come to us that we feel like they've offended us that other person may not even know that they've offended you. And we keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, you're like, well, what's going on? Why haven't you called? Well, you hurt me. I didn't even know I did. I didn't know. Many times that happens. What does Jesus say? Go to that person. Reconcile. Make it right. Think about this. Just think about this for a moment. Is the person that I'm upset with or I'm offended with, am I holding on to that offense? Have I, have I talked it through with that person? Or am I just waiting for them to come to me? They may not even know. They might not even know. So here's what we need to do and all these things, and here's where we need to be careful in talking to people. We need to be careful not to attack the person, but the problem. Listen, married couples, realize your spouse is not the enemy. They're not the enemy. 
The enemy is the enemy, the devil. He's the enemy. And he wants to use all these situations to destroy relationships. And attacking the problem and the issue is the right way to deal with reconciliation. Give thought to your anger because we can tend to take the offense and we want to strike back right away. Think about the time. Think about the time that someone may have sent you an email that wasn't so kind. And then you shot back that email right away or you made a comment online right away. Think about when you did that too quickly and you began to think about, man, I can't bring that back, right? Think about it. Think about that time you made the comment on social media or an email without thinking it through, without bouncing it off someone else. How did that go for you? It didn't go real well, did it? And listen, think about how much different your response would have been if you just gave it 24 hours. Or you were slow to listen, slow to respond, slow to bathe that thing in prayer. God would give you so much more wisdom. It's not saying to bury that and not deal with an issue that you might have, but dealing it with godly wisdom and letting God do just a work on your own heart and making sure, God, is my ego in the way? Is my pride in the way? Do I have aught with this person that I had, you know, 15 years ago and now I'm just waiting to go at them now? Now here's my chance because I've never forgiven them. You see, when we give time to allow God to do a work on our heart, it's amazing how much more wisdom we use in our conversations with one another. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. Think about this for a moment. If we care about something, it should bother us. And we need wisdom in handling it so we do not sin. Now, once again, this does not whitewash any atrocities that have happened to you. No way. But let God guard your heart from your anger and your sin and your bitterness so that it doesn't do something that hurts your relationship with Christ. That we walk in the spirit of Christ. If you look at Matthew 18, Jesus talks about how to deal with our brother. He talks about how we're to forgive one another. These are all the things that are central to the gospel. And that doesn't mean anything that's happened to you that has been wrong is right. It doesn't whitewash it. But it's you saying, God, guard my heart from the chains of anger and bitterness that will hold me back from having that relationship that you desire to have with me. I need to find your healing and I need to find your forgiveness. That person needs to stand before the Lord. That person needs to have their heart right before the Lord. But make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that anger is not not in control of your life. Aren't you glad that God is slow to anger and abounds in love? Aren't you glad that God doesn't deal with us the way he really should deal with us? Aren't you glad that God is completely just and gracious at the same time? Aren't you glad that God sent his son Jesus to have his wrath poured out on him, to have our sins poured out upon his shoulders and upon his back? for you and I so that it could appease the righteous anger and judgment of God that it would be no longer placed on us. Jesus did that for you 
so we can now have a right relationship with God. You see, at the root of anger is our hearts. And Jesus simply said it. Where does murder start? Starts in our hearts. Where does adultery start? Starts in our hearts. Jesus changes our heart. And when I understand what Jesus accomplished for me, I have a new outlook. Jesus took his sin, took our sin upon himself. God should have struck me dead long ago. How many can say amen to that? Right? He should have. Yet he showed his grace by giving us his son. So I want you to understand this. When we understand the depths that Jesus has gone through for you and I to appease the righteous anger of God, it changes me. It changes me profoundly in the way I look at other people, in the way I look at my relationships. Understanding this humbles me and it kills my pride. It kills my pride and my ego and wanting to be right and wanting to be heard and how dare they offended me. And I look at the cross and I see a Savior who hung naked for me who wasn't offended. Who bore my sins upon himself. See, if we're not preaching the gospel to ourselves and we're going to be offended, we're going to be angry, we're going to have train wreck relationships all over the place. We need to die to ourselves. We need to die to ourselves. We need the gospel to change our hearts. And that's the good news that Jesus came for sinners. Aren't you glad for that? He didn't come for righteous people because they don't need a Savior. He came for those who admit that they're wrong, that they're imperfect, that they need a Savior to cleanse them, to make them whole again. And so Jesus gave his life for sin, for us, so that we could have a right relationship with God. And knowing this and applying the gospel to our heart changes everything. Listen, that does not, can I just say this? That does not mean that it doesn't hurt when someone offends you. It doesn't hurt when someone says something that's mean. Or for those of you that have gone through atrocities in your life or abuse in your life, that doesn't mean that you don't live with the scars of those things. Are you hearing me, church? Do you hear me? Don't think that I'm trying to whitewash any of that. That hurts. But I'm so thankful that Jesus, through his precious blood applied to our hearts, covers us and cleanses us. It doesn't mean it still hurts, but we can receive that forgiveness in our life so that we don't allow our lives to live in that bitterness and that anger and that hatred any longer. We can live in the love and the grace that's applied to our hearts through the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now you can walk in that newness you're able to forgive. You're able to allow God to do what he needs to do in other people's lives, but you're able to walk in that freedom and grace that God gives you so that you don't have to walk in that pain and and bitterness and anger. You can walk in the freedom of Christ. My identity is in him. I'm thankful that God has the final judgment on all things. I'm glad for that. And I have to leave that in his hands. 
But for me as a follower of Jesus Christ, I need to apply the gospel message to my heart every single day and realize that I'm a sinner that's in need of God's grace every single day. That I can be a jerk on Amazon or I can be mean. My daughter told me the other day she works at Lowe's. If you need paint, go to my daughter. She's the greatest paint person at Lowe's. She said somebody was really nasty to her and the person had a shirt on with a Christian scripture verse on the shirt, right? And Lily goes, gosh, they weren't very nice to me and they had a scripture verse on their shirt, right? We all do. I said, Lily, grace, 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 right? We're all there. We need the gospel applied to our lives every single day. I'm so thankful that Jesus is patient with me. Think of it this way, just as we close and we're going to sing a new song and close it today. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song of who Christ is. But, but, but just ask yourself this. Just how, how could my life, how could your life change if you applied the wisdom of becoming slow to anger? How could your life change if you could apply that to your heart of saying, God, let me listen first. Let me understand first. Let me be slow to these things. Let me apply the gospel to my heart first. Let me remember what Jesus did for me. Let me die to my pride and my ego first before I launch into this tirade. God, guard my heart right off the bat. Preach the gospel to yourself. How much different would your life be and your relationships be if we were to walk in the spirit of Christ in this way? I think a lot of things would change. Church, let's be the church. Let's do what's right. Let's care about each other by speaking to each other, not about each other. Can we do that? Can we walk in obedience in that way? Listen, the worst thing we could do is the body of Christ is to have this inner turmoil that only just rips apart the thread of Jesus' beautiful church that he died for. We need to walk in unity. That doesn't mean we're always going to agree. We all got our own opinions, right? We all like different toppings on our pizza, right? We all don't like the same things, but that doesn't mean that we can't walk in unity under under the headship of Jesus Christ our Lord as we learn to love each other and forgive each other and put up with each other's idiosyncrasies, right? And we got a lot of idiosyncrasies, right? We got a lot of tendencies in our lives. But let's walk in that love. Let's apply the mercy of Christ and let's be the church so that we can truly be a witness. The world needs to see that today. They really do. There's so much against the church right now. We need to stand up and be the church that Jesus has called us to be. Amen. Amen. So let me pray for you today. I told you it was going to be a doozy today. I hope you come back next week. I hope you come back next week. So let's just pray. And as we get ready to sing, let's just thank the Lord for his word. Father God, we need you today. Lord, I pray for those even watching online or here today live that have not come to you, Jesus, to reconcile their heart to you, to not find that forgiveness in you. And I pray for anyone that's here today that they would bow their hearts to you today and realize, Jesus, you are for them and that by us asking for forgiveness and through repentance, we can find new life in you, Jesus. So do that right now for those that need to make their relationship right with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you reconcile us back to God. 
So I pray for anyone here today that just needs to make their relationship with God right. Thank you for the salvation that comes through Christ and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today that's just struggling with anger, with their past, with their hurts. We lay them at your feet, Jesus. And we thank you that you're big enough to take those on yourself. You're big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to cover them. So Jesus, I just pray we give you our heart and our anger. And we ask for your forgiveness. And we ask that you would bring healing to our hearts so that we could walk in the spirit of Christ and we would no longer allow our anger to dictate our lives any longer that through your forgiveness we can find freedom and healing to be what you've called us to be in Christ Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving everything for us, Jesus, so that we could find life again and we could find healing again. You're such a good and perfect Savior in every way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In your precious name, we ask these things. In your wonderful name, we ask these things. And all God's children said, amen. Can we thank the Lord for his word today? It was good.